And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Our Father in heaven, we pray that your name would be hallowed and honoured as we hear from you now. And we pray that you would draw us uh, again uh, into this wonderful gift of prayer that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. As we start, I just want to uh, imagine three uh, people, types of people who might be uh, listening uh, this morning. So the first is Max. Uh, Max is uh, 13 years old. He's part of the Pathfinder group at church. And uh, he's heard people pray um, over the years. He, he listens to his parents. He hears his parents uh, pray. And now he's getting used to sort of growing up and being part of the church family, sitting in, in church, hearing sermons. He's wondering um, what it would be like for him to start to, I guess, grow his own prayer life. But he's not quite sure where he'd start. How would he pray on his own if his parents weren't around? What, what would that look like? He's just working that out for himself. That's Max. Secondly, there's Lisa. Lisa's looking in on the Christian life. Um, she, she enjoys coming along. Um, she really likes the idea of, of praying. She likes this um, truth that Christians talk about, that we're not alone. She likes the idea of that. But again, she doesn't know really where to begin. When she thinks of God, she thinks of him as a, as a distant uh, force. She imagines if she prayed that her prayers would sort of not go much further than the ceiling. That, that's how she approaches it. That's, that's Lisa. And then thirdly, there's Jay. Uh, Jay's been a Christian for, for many years, but he's exhausted. Uh, he feels uh, ground down just by tough circumstances in his, his life. He would, describe, he would say he's sort of going through the motions as a Christian. He feels like a failure uh, a lot of the, the time. And he's sort of wondering if there's a reset button that you can sort of push on the Christian life at any stage just to sort of go back to what it used to be like. That's Jay. Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer for, for each of those people and for us, whether we, we can imagine ourselves being like them or, or not. It's a wonderful prayer. It's a familiar prayer. It's a famous prayer. It reminds us that as we come 
to the Christian faith, especially if we're looking in on it. We're not coming to something that's a sort of a passing fad. We're coming to something that's, that's ancient. Here is a prayer that has stood the test of time. Here is a prayer that has been around for 2,000 years. Here is a prayer that has been prayed around the world today by millions already. That has been prayed through the centuries by millions of people in, in thousands of different cultures. Here is a prayer. Here is a God who is not a passing fad. But here is a prayer that has stood the test of time. And yet for many of us, it may be so familiar, maybe we've recited it since we were little children, but we can recite it without thinking. And the aim of this morning is just to slow down on this prayer and to look at it. We're in a series on prayer. We've been, we started with an overview of prayer in the Bible. We've looked at a couple of Old Testament prayers. We're, we're in the Lord's Prayer and we'll look at some other New Testament prayers in the rest of our, our time. But if I had to boil it down to one thing, it would be this, that it's an invitation from the Lord Jesus. Come and enjoy time with your Father in daily dependence. That's what God says to us in this prayer. Let's look at it in, in three ways. We've got some headings if that helps you. First of all, pray because your Father is listening. And this is verses 5 to 9, Jesus' teaching in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus' prayer is in contrast to religious prayer that he lays out just before that. The people in verses 5 to 8, if you have a look at them there, they're, they're people praying there, they're called the hypocrites. They, they pray for their own uh, well-being um, and, and attention. Uh, they would have probably prayed if you'd, if you'd gone down into Bromley and you'd headed down the, the street and you get to that corner with Primark and you look across and there's, there's McDonald's on the street corner. That would have been for them a brilliant place to pray not just because you can nip in and get a big mat when you're when you're running out of energy but also you could stand there and everyone can see you you're on a cross everyone can see that you're praying that would have been a great place for these sorts of people uh, to pray they can be seen in all sorts of directions prayer for these people was a business transaction if um, people could see them praying then they got credit uh, if they could use clever long words then they could twist God's arm. It was all about doing stuff to God, doing stuff in front of others. It was a sort of a means to an end. And Jesus says in these first verses, no. Prayer isn't sort of business. Prayer is personal. It's about a child coming to their loving father. That's the idea behind uh, verse, verse 6. The idea behind this idea of, of secret. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father. who's in, in secret. It, in other words, it's mainly between you and him. That's the point. It's mainly between you and him. Just go into your bedroom. Just, just close the door. Just enjoy chatting, talking to your heavenly Father, you don't have to use many words to get God to listen to you. No, says Jesus, he's already listening. That's why we pray. And I think what amazing, an amazing thought is contained in those first four words of, of the prayer when we, when we turn to it now. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Got some photos on the screen of, uh, maybe you've cottoned onto this, the James Webb telescope. It's amazing. Uh, Hubble replacement that's out in space, just taking photos of the deep, deep universe 
And you look at those and millions, trillions of the numbers of distance that there is between us and them. And it blows our mind to imagine how big the universe is. And yet Jesus is saying that if you and I are children of God, then we can come to the creator of all space and time, the creator of all of those stars and galaxies. He knows each one of them by name. And we can come to him with all of the security, the intimacy, the affection is in that phrase, dear father, dear father in heaven, our father in heaven. Now notice in those four words, there's sort of two balancing parts of it. On the one hand, there's our father. We're told that God is not a, an aloof, distant force. He's our father. But then on the other hand, he's our father in heaven. We can't sort of drag him down to, to our level. There is intimacy, but there is awe. What an invitation from God. What a fantastic invitation from God. None of us naturally are God's children. All of us have pushed God out of our lives. Only Jesus is God's son, God's child by nature. And he has been his son forever and ever. There has never been a time when he was not. And here Jesus is saying that if you and I turn and trust in him, then we become his children by adoption. We're in Christ as his sons and daughters. And so you and I can come with all of the confidence of knowing that God is already listening. We don't have to get his attention with our long words, our clever phrases, our clever prayers before others. We can simply say, dear Father, our Father in heaven. On the screen there's another, another picture of a President uh, JFK uh, many years ago, there he is in the Oval Office, and underneath you can just see sneaking his head out is his son, uh, John John. Um, it, it was said that very often he'd be holding an important business meeting with all of his sort of team, and there'd be a, a knock at the door, and the door would open at the back, and little John John would just walk into the meeting just unannounced. And his father wouldn't sort of send him away and send, so I'm... I've got too many important people here. And the son would just come in and would just sit there, full access, you see, to his father, welcomed. And it's the same with us. It's not that God is too busy running the universe. There are too many stars. I'm just too busy. There are too many stars and galaxies to look after and too many important people around the world that I've got to give time to. No, no. When we come and we say, our father, dear father, can we speak? He is all ears. So maybe we're starting out on the journey of prayer. Maybe we want to get going again. Jesus isn't laying a burden on us in prayer. He's not setting up a business relationship where you and I are constantly failing to keep our part of the deal. Jesus says, let's start again by tuning in on the fatherhood of God. And we all know that little children come to their parents just as they are. They just, they just stumble in with their runny noses and all. And their parents don't turn them away. So you and I in the same way. We don't have to sort of fix ourselves up. Get ourselves cleaned up somehow before we can come to God and get his attention to impress him. Sometimes we think that, don't we? we? I have to sort of get to this certain level in prayer before I can come to God. I've got to sort of stop my mind wandering before he, you know, I, can, I can impress him. And Jesus says, no, no. 
you just come, your Father is listening. We come with our wandering minds. We come with our half-formed prayers, our half-hearted prayers. And if we're in Christ, he's already listening. I wonder if we've forgotten this and we need to hear this again. I wonder if we've never heard this and we need to hear it for the first time. Now, some of us have lost earthly fathers. Some of us have, have had broken, even damaging relationships. And that might make this word father hard to hear. But Jesus wants to introduce us to our good father who rules from heaven and who says, come, come, I'm listening. So there's the first thing. We pray because our father is listening, verses 5 to 8. So, okay, we've gone into our room, we've shut the door, we've said, Father, can we, can we talk? Thank you that you're always listening. But we come to him and our minds are a bit like this, this picture. Our minds are a bit like a washing machine. Is that ever the case for you? you just, your mind just feels like it's in a spin often. You're really not sure which way is up in life. You, you got to Monday and you thought you knew which way it was and it's just, just completely turned around again. And so we come to God as children, we unburden our hearts, we tell him how we really are. Not the pretend us. We tell him how we really are. And then you see the rest of Jesus' prayer is to help us to find which way is up. To help us to straighten out our perspective, to get things in the right order. And so it really has two parts, this prayer. First, there's a prayer for his reputation. And then there's a prayer for our daily needs. So let's come to the first part of the prayer. It's a prayer for his reputation. It's really verses uh, 9 and 10 in our passage. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it starts with, hallowed be your name. It's not really a word we use often, is it? Hallowed. I mean, there are times when we do, we might think of the, the hallowed turf. We talk about the hallowed turf of, of Wembley. And what we mean by that is we mean it's, it's a patch of grass to be respected. Don't, you know, don't get your motorbike and just drive it right over the middle of it. It's a hallowed turf. It's to be respected. And it's the same with God. We're saying, may your reputation be honored. May you be respected, God, as you should be. May you be seen and worshipped as the glorious God that you are. That's what's behind these words. Now, this isn't just an insecure business doing a rebranding exercise for their reputation. They've got a bit twitchy. We need to you know, send out some PR people to deal with our reputation. Now, God really is the most beautiful being of all. He really is the most worthy. He really is the most beautiful. He, he really should be hallowed and honoured. It's absolutely right that he should be. We've, we've said this before, this little picture here. We've said this from the front, but maybe it's helpful to say it again, that, that God is like a fountain in the desert of life. He's the only fountain who can quench the thirst of people who come to him forever. And because, because God knows that about himself, if I could put it that way, because God knows that about himself, if he doesn't self-advertise, if he doesn't say, come and drink, he would be denying us the one thing that we need. It's good that he says that his name should be hallowed because it truly should be. And yet you and I live in a world 
where God is lied about, where God's reputation is, is trashed, where people put signs up next to the fountain, if you like, to say, this fountain tastes bad, or this fountain is poisonous, this fountain will do you bad. God is mean. It's what the world does. And so we pray that God's reputation will be honoured as it, as it should be. And so Jesus says, are you in the washing machine? Do you want to start to find your way up? Well, remind yourself of how good God is. Remind yourself that he is beautiful and glorious and to be hallowed. And pray that his name, his reputation will be honoured in your life and in the world. See, Jesus is drawing us back to what we were made for. With God first, with God at the centre. And that is not a burden for us. In the same way, that here's another picture. Praising the name of something, someone worthy or enjoyable is not a burden. So being a part of the crowd last, last Sunday and, and celebrating when, when Chloe Kelly scored the winner. Being part of that, praising their name. Amazing, amazing. That's not a burden. That's a joy to be caught up in that. How much more with God to be drawn into hallowing his name. It is in fact where we find ourselves to be most free when we do that. When we get outside of ourselves, when we stop shrinking the horizons down to me. Instead, we live out God's design with him at the center and our horizons set wide. And that's what the next two phrases do. They set the horizons wide. Your, your kingdom come. Your will be done. The, the big story of history of, of the Bible is how God is establishing his loving kingdom with King Jesus as its king. A beautiful kingdom where people flourish. That's what God is about. That's what he's doing. And Jesus says, pray for that. Pray that God's kingdom would come, that God's kingly presence and character would infuse all of our, our life, our church's life. Ask that his kingdom would be extended into the messed up world that we live in. Ask that people would turn to, to King Jesus and become Christians. Ask that his kingdom would be extended in Bromley, but around the world in all of these Places that we, we have a heart for, either ourselves or as a church, the mission partners. Pray that God's kingdom would be extended in Thailand, in Spain, in India, in Ireland, in Tanzania, to the ends of the earth. Your kingdom come. Ultimately, of course, we're praying that Jesus would come back and establish his kingdom here forever. Your kingdom come. Next, your will be done. We were given this lovely picture book as a family a few years ago on the Lord's Prayer. It's a great one for, for little ones. Loved the Lord's Prayer. Here's what they say of this phrase, your will be done. Do what is best, just like you do in heaven. And please do it down here too. It's a great little summary, isn't it? Please do what is best, just like you do in heaven. And please... Do it down here too. Your will be done. Just pause on that little phrase, God's will, for a second. 
God's will is revealed in the Bible. It's clear for us to see. God's will is things like that we should tell the truth. God's will is that we should be kind. God's will is do not murder, stuff like that. God's revealed his will. And so we can pray those things in any situation. Father, we pray that your, your will would be done here, that people would be kind, that people would tell the, the truth. We pray for God's revealed will to be lived out. But sometimes those things don't happen. People aren't kind. People don't tell the truth. And yet the Bible says that God's will ultimately is not stopped. God will do everything that he intends to do in this world as he brings in Jesus' kingdom. If you like, he has a sort of a secret will. He has ways of doing things, of getting things done that may not be clear to us, for us to see, even when his revealed will is disobeyed. He's not thwarted. He will get everything done that he intends to do in this world. Think for a second of Jesus. Was God's will done when Jesus died? Was God's will done when Jesus died? At one level, you would have to say, very much not. People did not do God's revealed will. People did not tell the truth about Jesus. They lied. People were not kind to Jesus. They murdered Jesus. They did not do God's will. But in another sense, God's will was done. God's will was still at work. It it was secret at the time as to how the, the cross could be doing God's will. But now it's clear. That he even used human evil, the worst human evil that there has ever been, for the greatest extension of his kingdom, to save lost sinners. And so if you had stood at the cross and you'd said this prayer, your will be done, you would have had a confusing picture. And yet God's will ultimately was done. God is in control and Jesus in the garden he taught this prayer submitted to his father he said not my will but your will be done and so friends we in Jesus pray God's will God's will to be done in our life to be lived out to submit to God's will when we don't understand what he's doing let me just try and land this in, in, in real life for a minute, my real life for just a second, if that's okay. Much of my washing experience of life is sort of just lived out like, like, like yours. Um, and, and a lot of it is because I, I think I should see how any given week should go. I get to the start of the week and, and I think, um, well, my plan is this and, and this is how I see things going, Lord. Sort of something like that prayer. But as I go through any given week, my will and my kingdom get threatened time after time after time. This week I came back from holiday, I was full of energy, full of beans, and my plan for the week ahead, very simple, get ahead. That was the plan. Slightly quiet in the summer, my plan, let's, just, let's get ahead with things, there are things to be done. On, on Sunday and Monday, uh, poor Ruth had COVID and, and, and she was unwell. Uh, so uh, Sunday, Monday for me, I was, you know, COVID, you can't really call people in. So I was at, I was at home with, uh, with the kids. Um, by the end of Monday, I was not in a great headspace, I'll be honest. On Tuesday, uh, I had a doctor's appointment that had been in the diary for a little bit and I needed to drive over to Croydon for that. 
I got over there, I waited, and turned out that someone had booked the wrong scan. And so uh, the doctor was pretty frustrated on my behalf. I was a bit frustrated. It was a sort of a wasted two-hour card journey. That was Monday, that was Tuesday. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to go through every day of my week. Just <laughs> if you're, that would be depressing. <laughs> but just to give you a little flavor, and my week was n nothing compared to the week that many of you, I guess, have had. But look, I just want to give you an insight. that The frustration level was rising. My will getting ahead was not happening. I was getting behind. Matt's kingdom was under siege. It seemed like the washing machine. Someone had pushed that quick spin button. You know that one? Someone had pushed that. It was just flying around. My head was... And you'd have thought, you'd have thought that because I was preaching on the Lord's Prayer, that might have helped me by Tuesday. <laughs> oh, I'm a very slow learner. And Monday was a half-hearted, sort of hallowed be your name type prayer. And it was really only Wednesday or Thursday that it just started to work on me, that the penny started to drop, that the Lord might be teaching the preacher something that he wanted him to learn. And you will have your own story of last week, most of them much harder than, than that. But as I look back, my, my will was not done. I never really did get ahead. And, and I don't understand the Lord's secret will about that doctor's appointment. I don't pretend to begin to understand what was going on there. But you see, as we open Matthew 6, it strikes me that perhaps our father is more interested in his children living out his, his revealed will, growing in, in godly character, trusting him when we, when we don't understand, depending on him when our kingdom fails. And that that honors his name. And you can see why, and I can see why immediately as soon as we, you know, we need to move into the territory of forgive, forgive us our sins because we just don't do that. I don't do that. But you see, if we set up our prayer life, our, our lives around our reputation, our kingdom, our will, we are setting ourselves up for a fall. We, we end up very stressed when we try and live that out for, for a day or a week. But here's the thing, if we start to care a bit more about God's reputation and his will and, and his kingdom, well, we are cutting with the entire grain of God's character and plan. We're backing a winning horse, if I could put it that way. Because this is what God is about. He did the entire exodus, we're told, for the sake of his name. It says Isaiah 42, my glory I won't give to any other. Philippians 2, he says, every knee will bow before Jesus because of the cross. You see, if he can use the cross to enhance his reputation and kingdom and will, then he can use your week and my week. He can use the weaknesses that we experience. He can use the setbacks that we know. He can use even sin this week to do the same. And so we come to the God who knows. Your father knows what you need. And so we come to this God and we pray about these things. We take a situation and we pray about them. We pray for his reputation, his will, his kingdom. And there is a sense in which at that point we can relax, if I can put it that way. We relax. It doesn't mean we don't do things. But God is about his kingdom, his will, his name. So Jesus, you see, he starts, we're in the washing machine, he starts to help us to find the way up by starting us with adoration of God. And then we come to petition. He starts with God, not us. And he does that to free us from shrinking prayer down to 
my needs, my kingdom, my will, which is so small and so unstable. He wants to lift that burden from us and invite us into something better, that our prayers might build God's eternal kingdom. So first, pray because your father is listening. Second, pray for his reputation. And thirdly, pray for your daily needs. And this last point's a bit briefer, so we'll we'll pick up the pace. Uh, So Jesus teaches that your father cares for your needs. And so we're to say, Father, I need you. I need you. And there are three little uh, areas here. Let's Let's go with three P's. Why is it always P's? I don't know in, in these things. But provision, pardon, protection. Let's look at them in, in turn. Pray about provision. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now maybe we don't worry where our next meal is coming from, but many Christians around the world, many people around the world do. And so it's very good for us to recognize that we depend on God for the most basic elements of life. So Pathfinders, your pocket money, if you get pocket money, it's not not ultimately from your parents. The rest of us, our, our paychecks or our pension or our food, not ultimately from the government or our boss or the shops. Ultimately, they come from God's hand, from our Father's hand. And so we say, please, Father, give me today what I need to serve you today. It may be the the basics of daily living, the the, the money that we need to to, to get to the end of the month, the the, the food that we need. It, It may be, it may be those things. But it may be the daily bread of other things that we need to, to live out God's revealed will, the strength that we need. So, so dear Jesus, give me, give me wisdom with my schoolmates. Please give me wisdom with my schoolmates to know, to know how to live for you. Father, please give me energy with that sick relative and patience. I need you so much, Father, today. Please help me. Please help me with a the, with the demanding child as I give. Please help me. Dear Jesus, please give me the the grace for for singleness or or marriage. Please give me the grace for this really tough situation which is with me again today. Please give me what I need. Please give me the spiritual bread of of your word to feed my soul, to keep trusting you. Please give me what I need today, Father. I need this today, Father, please. That's what's behind this phrase, Father. Give us this day our our daily bread. Notice it's daily bread. Um, like the, maybe you know the Old Testament story of manna in the wilderness. Each day they're in the wilderness and there's, there's bread from heaven. But just enough for the day. You can't stockpile it. You try and store it away, it goes off. God's teaching us a lesson. Just daily bread. Just, just trust me for tomorrow. I will provide again tomorrow, but, but trust me for that. You're going to have to come back tomorrow. You're going to have to come back and pray the Lord's Prayer again. Daily bread. Give me my daily bread tomorrow. We trust that God will provide again. So there's the first provision. Second, uh, pardon. Uh, Pardon. Um, Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our our debtors. Be easy for, for Christian believers to skip over this because we know that we're forgiven. But Jesus is teaching that even though we're forgiven, we, we still sin. And that affects our 
It affects the enjoyment of our relationship, just like in all of our relationships. We might be in a very secure relationship, a covenant relationship, a family relationship. It's not going to change if we, if we mess up. But we know that our enjoyment of that relationship will be affected when we sin. We don't say, well, I don't need to say sorry for that because I'm in a covenant, secure relationship. No, we should learn that we, we enjoy the relationships more when the cloud is removed. And we say, I know I'm in a secure relationship, but please forgive me, I'm sorry. It's just the same with God, says, says Jesus. It's good to express each day that we need forgiveness. I don't know, maybe when we get to this bit, things don't leap to our mind. Maybe it would be good to look back on the day before. Perhaps if we'd, it would help if we listed you know, if, I don't know, four or five areas that we know that we often fall in, into, into sin in. Maybe ingratitude or, or envy or, or trying to control things as if we were God. We could ask the Spirit to just bring things to mind in those areas for us. I, I, think, I think we'd enjoy our need of Jesus, our confidence in the cross more, if that was our habit. Notice Jesus assumes as we pray this that we're holding out our hand with forgiveness to others. It's the assumption there is we've forgiven our, our debtors. Even if they don't, don't take the hand in repentance or reconciliation, Jesus assumes that that's our, our attitude. It doesn't mean that Jesus condones sin. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences or justice for sin. But Jesus assumes in our hearts we're, we're not nursing a grudge, but holding out our hand in, in a daily decision, even where the feelings don't make that easy. So provision, pardon. Lastly, protection. Verse 13. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So here we ask God to protect us in the trials that come, the trials that he brings to protect us from, from Satan and his desires for us in those to, to shipwreck our faith, that, that our own desires, which would lure us to, to sin. We pray for protection. And I guess the question for us here is, do, do we recognize that without God we're, we're vulnerable? We're, we're wide open. You know, we look ahead to this week. Do we just go into it assuming we're, you know, we're going to be okay? We're not going to struggle with, with sin. Now, left to our own devices, we're like moths to a, to a flame. We need to pray this prayer. We, we pray in confidence that we, if we're believers, we have God's Spirit in us who won't leave us. But we say, please protect me. Please protect me from the enemy. Please protect me from my sin. I... I need you. Please protect me from me. At one level, we maybe simply pray, Dear Jesus, please keep temptation out of my way. So, so the married man goes to the office and says, Please keep that, that woman in the office that I'm tempted to flirt with, please just, just keep her out of my way. Please help me. The, the, the pathfinder says, please, please give me strength not, not to get angry with with my sister, if she winds me up, please just help me to just pull myself out of that situation and, and, and go somewhere else. Please protect me, Father, we say. Imagine a child saying to their, their dad, Dad, there's a bully at the park. Would you, would you protect me? Is that not a prayer that would, would tug at the heart of any father? Well, so with this prayer. I'm sure it's a prayer that our Father loves to answer when we pray it. 
dear Father, please protect me. I'm scared about my sin or, or the bully Satan. Please protect me. It's a prayer, no doubt. He loves to hear and to answer. So that's the Lord's Prayer. Familiar to us. Pray because your Father is listening. Pray for his reputation. Pray for your, your daily needs. I don't, I don't know. Are you like Max? You're just starting off on your own prayer life as a teenager. You're like Lisa. You're looking in. You're, you're like Jay. You're, you're flagging. Well, the Christian life is full of fresh starts. It's, it's a good prayer to recite. But it's also a sort of model prayer to springboard off. A bit like, um, I'm not really a musician, but you know, the 12 bar blues, it's a pattern, but you can riff off it. You, you, you sort of use, you stick to the pattern. But you, so maybe you could try this this week, just up on the screen here. You put a situation in the middle there. You just pray, you're praying for the day ahead. You think of a situation, you think of a person. Could you just write that in the middle of the page? Pathfinders, could you do this? You just, you just take it and you put it, you put it in, in the page there. And then you just pray a prayer wheel of, of the different parts of the Lord's prayer. You take that situation to the Lord and you say, Dear Lord, I, I adore and praise you. Dear Lord, I want to pray, number two, for, for this situation. I pray whatever happens that your reputation will be honoured. Dear Jesus, I pray for this situation or this person that that your kingly rule will be extended in believers, that people will become Christians through this situation. And I pray, Father, that your will would be done, that you'd help me to submit where I don't understand what you're doing. Number five, please provide for me in this way. I need this. Please provide for me, Jesus. Number six, Father, please pardon my sins especially, dot, dot, dot. And please protect me from the temptation too. See, you could just use the Lord's Prayer to, see what I mean, to riff off it, to, to use it as a model prayer that we, we make our own. And so as we close, I don't know what situation you're facing, but I do know, Jesus knows, that your Father longs that you'd come and enjoy him in daily dependence. It's a prayer that meets us where we are. We're children who come with our runny noses, our minds, our hearts are like a washing machine, and Jesus starts to reorder our perspectives. He points us up to our Father in heaven. And he points us out. He widens our horizon to God's growing kingdom. And he invites us to pray for our needs as we serve him and his kingdom. He says, come. Come and enjoy time with your Father in daily dependence. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you that you're in heaven, but you are also our Father. That even now as we speak to you together, we have your ear and that you are listening and that you delight to hear the prayers of your children. We pray that this prayer might be the gift that it is to us this week, that it would strengthen us and help us to know you and to live wisely in this world with your priorities and our needs put before you. In Jesus' name, amen.